0: Comparison culture. And now I know with social media this has exploded in our day and age because we're constantly being bombarded by people's best moments and their best meals and their best everything. And so we are constantly comparing ourselves with others, but that's not a new thing. I don't know if you've ever heard the, the saying, it's we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Okay, that saying has been around a long time. And it's all about, you know, when somebody gets a new car, we want to buy a new car to keep up. When someone gets a new job, we want to get... I mean, we want to always keep up. We always are, as humans, falling into the trap of comparing ourselves with others. But as Arden points out in the chapter, the culture of comparison will inevitably lead us to competition. And competition is not what life is meant to be. Life is meant to be a journey journey not a competition. And my journey and your journey are not going to look the same. In fact, the disciples fell into this trap. If you remember, when Jesus was restoring Peter after Peter's denial, he was talking to Peter about his journey ahead, what was going to happen for Peter. And Peter was concerned about John. What about him? And Jesus says, don't worry about him. You follow me. And we fall into this trap of comparison, and the problem is when we get into this comparison trap and we fix our eyes on those around us, we inevitably start feeling inadequate, deficient, and lacking. But God in His Word says that He has a unique God-given designed path for each and every one of us. And if we stop valuing who we are in him, if we stop seeing what we're capable of in him, we become fixed on what is missing or lacking, and therefore we will not step into who he's created us to be because we feel like we're lacking something that we need. But here's the thing, God is not fixated on our lack, we are. God is not disappointed in us. God is not setting us up for failure. He's not interested in just pointing out our weaknesses. He's not interested in comparing us to those around us. God, your parent, may have come to you and at some point in your life said, Why can't you be more like? But God never comes to us and says, Why can't you be more like? He didn't create you to be like them. He created you to be you. Now, he is recreating us in the image of his son, but we are already made complete or whole in him. And that's the word that Arden gives us in this chapter. He says the word that God speaks over us is the word complete. That doesn't mean we don't have areas of lack. It would be ridiculous for us to sit here today and say, I don't lack anything. I'm not weak in any area. We are. But we do not get our identity from our lack or from what's missing. We get our identity from what God says over us. He says we're complete. I want to give us three reminders that Arden gives us in the chapter. He gives us a lot more, but I'm going to focus on three today. The first reminder is that we are made whole by God. We are made whole by God. It is not something that we have to do by ourselves. He completes us. He makes us whole. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. I want you to notice He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. It's it's interesting that he doesn't say he is creating us anew in Christ Jesus. There's a completion to this statement. It's done. That doesn't mean we don't need to grow. It doesn't mean that we don't need to put into practice the things that we learn. But it means that our completeness does not come from the actions of our lives. It comes from what God has already done for us in Christ Jesus. Jesus, And if we don't start from that place, then we will always focus on what's missing, what's lacking, what's weak, where we failed, where we don't measure up, and we cannot live from that place. I want you to notice in Ephesians 2, it also says, so that we can do the good things that he's planned for us. This is a call to action. It's not just a call to be something but as we are that person he's created us to be it is an action plan and we'll talk about that a little bit later on but I want to look at that word masterpiece for a moment I don't know what you think about when you think of a masterpiece but a lot of times we think about like a painting or a sculpture or some type of work of art and I don't know if you are an artist um if you're a musician, or you like to paint, or you like to work with your hands in some way, but I don't know how you feel when you're putting your masterpiece on display, and someone stands there and just, well, I would have done this, or why didn't you do this, or why didn't you, and they just start nitpicking your masterpiece. I don't know how that makes you feel, but if God calls us His masterpiece, and we focus on what's lacking or missing or how we don't measure up, and we have that self-talk going on, how do you think God feels if He's created us as a masterpiece in Christ Jesus that we are focusing all of our energy and attention on the things we don't like about ourselves or the things we don't like about someone else? We have to start from this place of, completeness, of knowing that God has already made us whole. And from that foundation, we can grow, we can improve, but we understand that our relationship with Him is that foundation. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, God is committed to finishing the work that He has begun in us. I don't think God is as hung up on our insufficiencies As much as we are, He's called us to do life with Him, and He will work on those things as we walk with Him. So, God has made us whole. The second thing that I want to remind us of is that we are equipped by God. Equipped by God. This is super important for us to understand because I know we think we know this, but I don't know that we live like we know this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, the Apostle Paul has some form of weakness, some sort of thorn in the flesh that he keeps begging God to take away from him. And this is what God says to him. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. From that, we can know that there are going to be some deficiencies in our life That God is okay with never fully giving us the strength in ourselves to do it. He doesn't need to rewire our personalities so that he can put us in a certain position. He equips us for whatever he puts in front of us to do. And so when we feel like we don't measure up, it it means that we need to go back to him and ask for grace. Grace. Because I don't have the ability by myself to do this. I need you. And God has a funny way of wanting us to stay in that position. He doesn't want us to do it without him. He wants to do it through us. So that he gets the credit and the glory. Now every single one of us has fears, insecurities. We have flaws. We have weaknesses. And again, we don't take our identity from them. But God infuses his power into them and brings greater opportunity for glory for him. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, the apostle Paul says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I love this version, uh, the new NIV, better than the other version. When we used to translate it, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, That's really not what Paul is saying. What Paul is, is talking about in Philippians chapter 4 is his calling as an apostle. And he's saying, whether I have everything I need or whether I lack what I need, it doesn't matter. I can do my calling through Christ who strengthens me. He says, whether I have food and I'm well fed or whether I don't have food and I'm hungry, whether I have all the money and supply I need or whether I don't have anything and I lack it all, I can do whatever God has called me to do as an apostle. Now we have taken, "I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength," and we've written Philippians 4:13 on our basketball shoes, and hey, we're going to dunk because I can dunk. I can dunk because Christ is going to strengthen me. Maybe Christ is going to empower you to dunk a basketball, but if you're like five foot six, probably not. I mean, maybe if you pray hard enough, God will cause you to grow while you're sleeping, but that's not the context of what God is saying. God is saying, I've got a plan for your life. And if it involves dunking a basketball, then I'll give you what you need to do to do that. But if it doesn't involve that, I'm not just a genie in a bottle giving you the power to do whatever you want to do. But I will empower you to do everything that I've called you to do because I have designed you and equipped you and made you for a perfect fit. And you just trust me and I'll supply everything that you need. Arden in the chapter gives us, here's a, here's a quote from Arden's words, God doesn't do everything for us, but he trains us and teaches us to follow his calling for our life. The power is still his, of course, but there is a responsibility on our shoulders to walk in grace, skill, and wisdom that we receive from God. In other words, we have to do the work that he equips us to do. So whatever this calling that God has on our lives, it's not like I don't need to go to college to get equipped to do whatever God wants me to do in my life. God's just going to supernaturally give me everything I need. That's not what Paul is saying. You need to get the education that you need to get in order to be equipped to do the thing God's called you to do, but stop saying, "Well, I'm just not a book person. Well, I'm just not a learning person. Well, I just can't do. I just if God has called you to do it, he will give you what you need." To do it. Now we automatically think that if I'm not a book person, then he'll just make me a book person, right? I mean, hey, if I if I just if I have a hard time reading, God is just gonna supernaturally make reading easy for me so that I can do his will. That's not what he said either. And I love that Arden brings this out in the book. Because Arden talks about when when he was a child, he had to take special education classes in reading. He had to take special education classes in writing. And yet here he is in his early 20s writing a book. He's like, I, I never dreamed that I would be able to write a book. And I love the fact that he shows us and tells us that God did not supernaturally give him the ability to write this book. Writing the book was hard. But yet here's a guy that on paper shouldn't be writing books. And yet there he is. And listen to this in his words again. I kept pushing forward over time, learning new things, saying yes to new opportunities to grow. How quick are we to say no to something? Well, because that's not my fit. That's not my gift. Instead of saying, God, do you want to stretch something in me? Do you want to teach me something that's just not in my natural giftings? I mean, far be it from us to tell him how to shape our lives. And so I love that about him. I kept saying yes to new opportunities to grow. I stopped saying no to things I couldn't do. And more than anything, I began to agree with what God says about me, not about what my feelings of lack tried to tell me. None of this happened overnight. Actually, it happened as a result of my struggles. Don't get it in your head that if God calls you to something, that the, the lack that you see in yourself is a reason not to do it. And don't get in your head that he's just going to supernaturally take the lack away, and you're not going to have to put in any effort to see that accomplished. God is interested in doing this journey with us, and he's promised to equip us along the way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, the Apostle Paul again says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Over the last 20 years or so in our culture, especially in the church, we have really gotten good at taking gift assessments, personality assessments, where we learn what our spiritual gift is, how we're wired, and I love them. I am all for them. Um, because when you take a, a, a personality assessment or a gift assessment, it helps you to know yourself. It helps you to know how you're wired. I think we have a tendency to miscommunicate with others because we think everyone is like us. So when we hear someone say something, we're interpreting it from the lens of us, not from the lens of them. But if we know that their personality is different than our personality, what they're communicating might be different than what we're hearing. So we'll ask questions to try to communicate better with people and not just assume we hear what someone else is saying because everybody thinks like me. Everyone doesn't think like us. And so it also helps us to learn how to relate to other people. We use this at Royal Family Kids Camp because we understand that different people need us to communicate to them in different ways if we want them to hear us. If, we just, if, we want every, if I want to communicate to someone in a way that I like to be talked to, but that's not the way that they hear things, that conversation is going to go poorly. And I can look at them all I want and say, well, you need to be more like me. That's not what I said. Or I can become a student of people and learn that if I'm going to communicate with that person, I want to say it in a way that they'll understand what I have to say. So I love gift assessments. I love personality assessments. They're helpful to us. But they are dangerous also because they teach us that we could say no to something because it's not who this assessment says that I am. But as I read through the scripture, I see a whole lot of people That the assessment says, you don't qualify for that position, but God taps them and says, hey, mighty warrior, I got a job for you. Hey, fisherman, I got a job for you. Hey, tax collector, I got a job for you. He doesn't call the person that fits the assessment, because sometimes God looks deeper than what we look at. I know that in the Bible, it says, hey, if your gift is serving, then serve. If your gift is leadership, then lead. Uh, But that doesn't exempt me from serving. Well, sorry, that's not my spiritual gift. I'm not going to serve because there are enough passages in the Bible that call all of us to serve, all of us to be hospitable. So it doesn't matter whether it's my quote-unquote gifting. I need to make sure that I'm hearing what God is calling me to do. It gets hard because sometimes I want to do something that God's not calling me to do. There's something that I really wish I could do. I wish I could play guitar. It just doesn't happen. In fact, when I went to Bible college, I wanted to be a music major. My dream was to be a music and youth pastor. I love working with teenagers. I love music. And I, I kept trying to take the music theory test, and I kept failing the test. And I didn't understand why I failed the test because back then the music program at Trinity Bible College was not real good. (laughs) So the fact that I couldn't pass the theory test frustrated me and I took class piano for two semesters. And I still can't play piano worth a lick. I tried to pick up guitar and I tried to teach myself to play guitar and now my son has my guitar because he picked it up and he just learned it. So I love it when I just wish, oh, I wish I could do that. That's just not what God had in mind for me. It was my desire, and I still love music. I still love teenagers. I still like to work with people. But God said, "Eh, I'm not going to empower. Why didn't God give me the ability to walk up to that piano and and just do it? Well, because it wasn't in what God had for me. One thing I said in Bible college was, I never want to be a senior pastor. See, God has a funny way of taking our nevers. And saying, oh yeah, let me me show you that that's where I want you. Because on paper, I didn't think I was a senior pastor. That's not who I am. That's not my gifting. That's not my calling. Let me tell you something. God doesn't look at our paper. He looks at what we, what he's put in our hearts and what he wants to draw out of us. And it's a struggle sometimes to be in a position that you don't feel qualified for and that God's not giving you the insta but listen to his voice and follow him 5 years ago our church started Royal Family Kids Camp and just this last year i got a certificate in the mail that is a recognition for 5 years of service in directing a Royal Family Kids Camp or mentoring program through your leadership the broken hearted children of your community have experienced the love and comfort of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. But my name is not on this certificate. This certificate says Christy Brantner. Because when we were looking to start a camp, I kept praying, God, God, You've got to put this on someone's heart. You've got to help us have a director. I can't do this. I don't have the time to do this. We need a director. And one day at district council, Christy came to me and said, I feel like I'm supposed to lead this camp. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> because I, I don't know that I want it in my house either because just, that could be stressful. And I said, and she's like, I just really feel like it. And I bet you if you ask Christy on paper, she would say she's not a director. That's just not how she's wired. And yet, funny, five years later, here we are ministering to broken children and to staff members that I believe only eternity will ever show us the fruit of. So thank you for being willing to just say yes to something that maybe on paper you're not qualified for. But God doesn't care about our papers. He says, I just want someone that's going to say yes to whatever I tap them to do. Now, we need to walk through, again, what's my desire, what God's desire, and not be afraid of making mistakes. Man, I'm never, I don't look back on my time in class piano and think, oh, what a waste of my time. I mean, I do know some things about music that have been helpful to me in my life that I've picked up along the way, and I'm glad for it, but I'm not a music pastor today, and I'm not sorry that God sent me in another direction so open your heart to what God has in store for you. And when you feel like you're in an inadequate, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, this is from the Passion Translation. This is what it says. It has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all of our trust in the God who raises the dead. Stop looking at what you can do and trust what God can do. All right, so he makes us whole, he equips us, and the third point, and maybe the most important one, the easiest to forget, is we are accompanied by God. We are accom- He has never wanted us to just go off and do it. He wants to work with us to bring about his plans and purposes on the earth. He wants to do it through us. He doesn't want to do it himself. He wants to use us to accomplish it, but he doesn't want us to do it ourselves. He wants to work with us to accomplish his purposes. In Joshua chapter 1, Joshua's right on the edge of taking the people into the promised land, and the Lord says to him in verse 6, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey All the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, I bet, I bet you've heard it three times in those short verses. God says it three times. Be strong and courageous. Do you think Joshua maybe had a little bit of inadequacy? I mean, he's following Moses. You know, the guy that parted the Red Sea? The guy that brought water from a rock? The guy that, when people rebelled against him, the ground opened up and swallowed them? When, I'm not, you know, we don't want that to happen. Remember, Miriam came to him and she turned leprous? Moses, the guy that went up on the mountain into the cloud and God spoke to him face to face and his face glowed. I mean, who wants to follow that guy? Who wants to be the next pastor after him? And not only that, but as as great as Moses was, he couldn't lead them into the promised land. He failed. I mean, Joshua might be thinking, I don't know if I'm up to this task, but God says, do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Do you know, here's the definition of be strong and courageous. Are you ready for it? The definition of be strong and courageous is this. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. He says do not fear. That doesn't mean that God is going to take away all of the fear. If God has called you to do it, don't let fear stop you. Fear of man, fear of failure, fear of whatever. Do it, afraid. Trust that God has called you and will be with you. That's what it says, I will be with you. You don't have to be afraid, I will be with you. One of my favorite gospels is the book of Matthew. I love Matthew's story, his revelation of who Jesus is, because at the beginning of Matthew, in chapter 1, we get the, sti- the, the phrase from the book of Isaiah, the virgin will be with child, and she will give birth to a son, and he will be Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. And then if you go all the way to the end of Matthew, the, the 28th chapter, the last words Jesus says to his disciples, and I am with you Always. Jesus came to show us the God who is with us. It doesn't matter whether you feel like he's with you, he's with you. He is with you, with you. And that's what Matthew keeps saying over and over again. God is the one that makes us strong. God is the one that challenges us to step into our calling, to step in what he's asking us to do. And complacency is not an option. The lack of education is not an option. The lack of ability is not even the option. Arrogance is not the solution. Pride is not the solution. God is calling us to dependency upon Him. He will provide what is needed if we find our completeness in Him. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 again. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. I meet people all the time. I can't do this. I'm not a people person. I can't do this. I'm not good with kids. I can't do this. I can't, I can't learn this way. I can't, I can't do it on Zoom. I can't do it that way. I can't pray when there's music. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Ask God to, to equip you. I mean, right now we're in a season. I, what I, I love, the Bethel Church in Redding, California, they have healing rooms where people come in and get prayed for and have healing, but they're not allowed to do that in person now. So you know what they do? They do it on Zoom. And do you know what's happened? People have gotten healed through Zoom. I'm not saying we have to do Zoom the rest of our lives, but stop saying we can't. Jesus spoke the word and people were healed. Anything is possible for him who believes and just does it. Do it. Do it afraid. Do it out of your comfort zone. Learn, grow, be stretched. God is not going to miraculously teach us how to do things. He's going to make us learn That's part of the process. Because it's good for us to learn from others. It's good for us to grow and be stretched. It's good for us to recognize we don't know everything and that we need help. We need community because it keeps us dependent upon Him. And it keeps us in community with one another. We are a complete people, not a lacking people. We are made whole in love, empowered by grace, and called to victory in Christ. Don't let anything hold you back from what God's calling you to step into. There is no personality flaw, no character defect, no past mistake, no lack of anything that can hold us back if God calls us to step into it. Keep learning, keep growing, keep striving for excellence, but keep trusting Him and not ourselves. Let's pray together. When we pray today... This is what I want us to do. I always ask us to put our hands out in front of us because I want us to visualize what we need to put in front of ourselves, what we need to put in front of the Lord today. And there are some of you in the room today where maybe you have absolutely no idea what God is calling you to step out in. Here's the funny thing. Sometimes that God has a way of putting us in a position without us even knowing it was God that put us there. Now, I want to challenge you to keep seeking God, keep being in His Word, keep being in community with other believers, keep trying to discern His will for your life, but don't get hung up on not knowing where you are. God knows where you are right now. And if you set your heart on seeking Him, and you genuinely ask Him to show you if you need to be in something else or somewhere else, I know He's going to speak to you. If you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart. That's the promise from God. So keep seeking. So if you're here today and you're like, God, I just don't even know what your will is for my life. You need to put that in front of you today. Say, God, I just need to know. Some of you already know you're outside of what he's asked you to do. Maybe God has called you into some form of ministry, some form of occupation, something that is just bigger than you, and you're like, I just, I just didn't think he had the right person. And maybe it's time for you to put that in front of you and say, God, if you want me to do this, I'll step out. But I know I'm going to need you. And Maybe it's time to sign up for a class. Maybe it's time to start a mentoring relationship. Maybe it's time to stop waiting for God to send you somebody and you go to somebody and say, hey, would you mentor me? Would you show me how to do this? This is a skill I want to acquire. I mean, it's great that we pray and ask God, but we've all heard the story about the man that was in a flood. And he prayed and said, God, deliver me from this flood. And somebody came by in a boat, tried to rescue him, and he said, "Nope, God's going to save me from the flood. Thanks for stopping, though. And the water gets higher and higher, and he's up on the roof, and some, a helicopter comes by. Oh, no, no, God's going to save me, but thank you. And of course, he dies, he goes to heaven and says, God, why didn't you save me? He said, well, I sent you the warning, I sent you the boat, and I sent you the helicopter. What did you want? And some of us so over-spiritualize the calling of God that we don't go ask for help, we don't go looking for what God is asking us to look for because it requires a level of humility that some of us don't want to take. And so maybe that's what needs to be set in front of you today. Some of you are tired, you're weary, you're questioning whether you're in what God has called you to. Never doubt in the dark what God has spoken in the daylight. If you're sure that God has spoken that over you, then do not let a dark season or a hard season Keep you from being faithful. God is with you. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Some days it's going to be a grind. But God is with you. And he's developing you in ways you can't even see as you just keep taking those steps. So trust him. So we're all in different places right now. And I don't know what you need to put in front of you But just put it there as we pray together. And so, Father, I just thank you again today for your faithfulness. God, you are faithful. You are faithful to finish the work that you have started in us. Thank you that you have created us anew in Christ Jesus. And so, God, for those in this room today that have never put faith in Christ, for those that are watching online today, God, I pray that today would be the day that they would put faith in you. God, that they would recognize that your word says every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has broken your law. And the only hope we have is the sacrifice Christ made on our behalf. God, that today they could be made new. God, for those today that are still trying to measure up, that are still trying to, to, to meet that standard in their own strength, Holy Spirit, I just pray for grace today to receive your completeness, to receive your wholeness. God, to see that you're equipping them even now. And God, that you're with them. God, for those today that feel abandoned, neglected, Holy Spirit, would you minister in a way that causes them to remember, to remember the calling that you've placed on their lives. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray, enlarge our imagination of what you are able to do. God, that every good work that you have planned for us as individuals, every good work that you have planned for us as Restoration Church, God, that every single one of them would be able to be accomplished today because of what you've done. So, Holy Spirit, give us grace. Give us grace to to believe it, give us grace to live in it, and give us grace to hang on to it, even when it seems darkest. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. What a challenging word and encouraging. God is committed to complete the work in us, equip us, and ultimately, He abides with us. And that is incredible good news to us. Just want to say thank you to everyone who came this morning. Uh, Just so glad that you're here. Those of you who are online, we just appreciate you being here and just cultivating a friendship, a uh, culture of family with you. Um, I want to remind you, um, our guests, that if you haven't yet received your gift, um, our hosts are in the lobby ready for you to give you a gift. And um, also, we want to dismiss row by row. And so our host will dismiss from the front to the back. If you brought a gift offering or tithe or anything like that, there will be offering baskets in the lobby that you can do that there as well um the best way to give is through the church center application you can do that you just go on either the the marketplace or the app store and download church center you can see past and present or set up recurring um offerings on there but um again guys i just want to say a big thank you just for what i experienced just now as as you guys honored me i'm so humbled and i'm grateful for all of you um It looks like they have set up a little birthday party out there for me, and I would um, feel no way better honored that if you would celebrate with me. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see you uh, next week.